Bonjour tout le monde. I'm Glenn Kubish in Edmonton. This is the Three Things Podcast, featuring three things that made for some happiness and gratitude last week. Not because there's not a pile of other crap out there, but because there is. Play it, Brendan. This week, number one, pelicans. They are remarkable-looking water birds, pelicans are. For the last two summers, every time I pedaled across, I made a point of glancing over the railing at the north end of the Quinell Bridge to see if they were back. I first saw pelicans down there by the mouth of the storm sewer, where the fishing is apparently good, in 2019. It was in June of that year that my binocular friend Nicola pointed out 10 of the pelicans as they soared over the downtown farmer's market. That summer was the first time I saw them upstream at the outfall. I would stop and watch them from above on the bridge deck while eight lanes of traffic streamed by on White Mug Drive. They were there the next day, and the next day too, and one of the next days they were there and I didn't stop that day, and then one day after that they weren't there and there was no need to decide if I would stop to look at them. The next summer I looked for them each time I was there, but no sightings. Last year, no sightings. This year, I had taken to wondering out loud, will I ever see the pelicans? As I cruised out of the trees and swung left onto the bridge. Still, no pelicans. Until the morning last week, they materialized and were down there sunning themselves on the retaining wall by the outfall. I hit the brakes, turned around, got off my bike and walked it down the hill for a closer look and count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten pelicans again. I felt ten years old again. What a concoction of elements the pelican is. A spiked bill like a giant drawing compass. A gullet like a sheet on a clothesline. Leg-high orange platform boots. Ten of them lined up there on the concrete wall looking like gargoyles atop the face of a cathedral, the keepers of an ancient joke. They look like they enjoy each other's company. I enjoy their company. For seven straight mornings now, I've gone back to the river to watch them pose and goof around and air out their gullets and ease their bodies into the water and float like question marks. One morning, I got especially lucky. Right in front of me, four of them coaxed their fuselages into the air and flew off under the bridge toward the outfall. I thought they looked like prehistoric superheroes who hadn't been told they couldn't fly. too waxing poetic. I was up early, which means I hadn't slept well for fear of sleeping through the need to wake up early, so I was tired and a touch grumpy even before I got there. I was checking out the audio-visual setup of an auditorium I'd be leading a workshop in on the weekend. I planned to play some videos at the workshop and was eager to get a head start and some peace of mind, get into the room, start plugging in the cords to make sure I wasn't lost when plugging in cords a few days later with a live audience watching everything disintegrate. Okay, where was I? Right. Arriving at the auditorium, tired, shirty, and at the root of it, unsure of myself technically. It was this walking potion that was thanked by the manager for showing up on time and then informed there was a slight glitch. I couldn't actually go into the auditorium. Why not? Because Cheryl had just waxed the floor and could I come back tomorrow morning? What a waste of time, I fumed to myself, smiling on the outside. No, I thought the next day would not work because of a dental appointment and then early meetings the next couple of days and then my great plan to prepare would run out of time and I would blow up in front of the audience and then somehow I heard Hoagie's voice 
bring the temperature down. My friend Hoagie would want to go meet Cheryl and take a look at the wax floor and find out a bit of her story. Because it's never the wax, it's the waxer. So I simmered down, went and said hello to Cheryl, took a look at the floors, thanked her for keeping things shiny. I managed to get back over to lunch that day and get the video and audio working and then shared the story with Hoagie as a way to say thanks. Oh my God. I'm all uptight and I'm thinking how this affects me. And she's, she's, I'm going to own this floor. She owns the floor and, and the wax job in the auditorium to which I can't go. Uh, it's, it's great. It's shining, right? And that's the story, right? And that's what you taught me. You know, change gears. Change gears. Make it about people. Thanks, Hoagie. Got to keep layering that one on. Kite Tales. There is nothing in the world of televised sports I know to be more stirring than the Tour de France. And I'm not even talking about the actual bicycle racing in the three-week bicycle race across France, the tactics of which remain obscure for me. I'm thinking about the peloton, the pack of bicycle riders that ribbons its way through villages and their sloped roofs, by cathedrals and cemeteries and their dead, along farmers' fields and vineyards, over cobbled roads, up mountainsides to ski resorts, down to seaside beaches, under trees, below flags, and past the camper vans and faces of the cheering and waving people of the country. This strip of beautiful, vivid color that courses along the asphalt arteries of France. It makes me wonder what the giant kite the peloton is tied to must look like up there. To see the flag being dropped on today's stage. Beautiful blue skies. Look at that as a backdrop. It's a stunning afternoon here in France. Thanks for being out there, friends. Vive la tour. À la prochaine. The original music in the podcast is the work of Edmonton composer and pianist Brendan McGrath. The end bells are courtesy metal artist and humanitarian Slavo Czech.